In November, the state inspector general's office released a report detailing alleged defects in the drug tests used by state prison officials looking to detect contraband in correctional facilities. The faulty tests and misuse of the equipment from 2016 through at least 2019 resulted in more than 2,000 incarcerated individuals being disciplined, including being placed in solitary confinement, delayed parole eligibility, and suspended family visits, according to the IG's report. The revelations come about a year after the state watchdog reported that prison officials around New York were not following up on drug tests designed solely for preliminary detection using urine analysis. For more on the issue, we're joined by State Inspector General Lucy Lang. Welcome back to the show, Inspector General Lang. Thank you for having me. So what was the impetus for the review of the contraband testing program in the prison system, which was the the basis for this new report? This complaint came directly from docs at a time when the opiate crisis was continuing to mount nationally, including behind bars. You know, our job at the offices of the inspector general is to be a voice of the most vulnerable New Yorkers by providing oversight to the agencies that serve those folks, including incarcerated New Yorkers. So when we were notified that there were inconsistent instructions to the test that was being used, we began this investigation. Is that common for prison officials themselves to report an issue to your office? We're so fortunate that our work with the Department of Corrections includes training for all corrections officers and staff about their ethical obligation to report concerns to the Office of the Inspector General. So as you know, we receive about half of the complaints we get annually as an office related to the Department of Corrections. And many of those are from staff, including corrections officers, identifying issues of concern. So what period of time does this report look at and what sort of activities are you reviewing? Well, we've talked before about an investigation that was already underway before this complaint came in. And that was an investigation into false positives that were occurring when incarcerated people were being tested for the presence of narcotics in their system. So that was done through a urine test. And as you may recall, we put out a report that demonstrated that the tests were faulty and that DOCS was administering them inaccurately. And that has all been changed. This came in when that investigation was already underway and is different in that it was about testing the substances themselves. So if powder or leafy substance or something suspected of being a drug was found on an incarcerated person or in their cell, it was being tested using the NARC-2 or SERCHI testing methodology. And those test results were not being sent out for confirmatory analysis. And people were getting sanctioned in all kinds of very concerning ways, including solitary confinement, delays in parole eligibility, the suspension of family visitation, and other privileges that alleviate the downsides of incarceration. So the contraband testing that you looked at as part of this report, is the problem that you detected something that revolves solely around the equipment, say, malfunctioning? Or is this an issue where there were problems, again, with the administration or or how prison officials were directed to use the equipment by the manufacturer? I should note that these tests were employed by docs because the nature of substances that were being used weren't 
being detected by standard testing processes. And so NARC2 and Searchy were intended to detect some of the new synthetic drugs that were coming into prisons. And unfortunately, it was both of the problems that you've described. One, that the instructions themselves were unclear, including about what color things would turn when reagents were applied to certain substances, et cetera, to indicate whether or not there was a positive result. And those tests themselves were really only intended to be a preliminary assessment and then should have been sent out to a controlled independent laboratory for retesting. And only then should the person found in possession of that contraband have been penalized. And is this still a problem today? It's not, as far as we know, in the State Department of Corrections. The department very quickly ended their use of those tests. They contracted with an outside laboratory to ensure that confirmatory testing has been done. They have increased and enhanced the training to everyone who administers those tests and have much more rigor in the process that's now designed to stem the tide of narcotics into prisons. Did you and your staff come away with any sense of how the Department of Corrections ended up so far down this road of using a bad test? I mean, was there any explanation to how the situation came to be? Should there have been safeguards in place that could have prevented it from ever happening, let alone persisting for three plus years? There should have been a more consistent application of protocols. There should have been a use of external laboratories for confirmatory testing. And we're really pleased that as soon as they were advised of these deficiencies in their process, the department adopted those guardrails. But something like inconsistent instructions, for example, should that have been detected earlier on? Should there have been something as soon as these tests were being deployed that would have evaluated the efficacy of them? Or was there that kind of test and maybe it was just ignored or or they found it was working? Part of what is positive about the changes that the department has employed since the discovery of this problem is that they have centralized these investigations into the Office of Special Investigations so that there will be more rigor applied to their internal processes. And they have appointed someone as a liaison to the vendors to make sure that there is total clarity with respect to how such products are being used. Before we move on, let me reintroduce you for listeners just joining us. Uh, this is the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with State Inspector General Lucy Lang. So as an attorney, what sort of recourse, if any, do you think incarcerated New Yorkers identified in your report have against prison administrations around New York or the state more broadly? I'm particularly pleased that as a result of our work, Of the more than 3,000 disciplinary records that contained a drug charge during the time which this test was being used without confirmation, that hundreds of those were reversed and expunged. Um, Ones that that applied to people no longer in in custody were uh, notified, and guilty charges were modified in several thousand of those records. So it really did have an impact on the permanent records, such as they are, of the people who experienced the deficiencies. But say, if you were a private attorney, do you think some of these 
incarcerated New Yorkers who either spent time in solitary confinement that they shouldn't have or missed out on family visits have a case for some sort of lawsuit dealing with maybe pain and suffering? I have the great fortune to have never been a private attorney, Dave, and to be privileged enough to serve as a public interest lawyer. And I'm so glad that my role is one that is really at the policy level and that is about making process changes that can systematically improve the system for all. Right. But if you remember back to your years in law school, do you think there is some sort of case here that could be brought against the state or individual prisons? I think that it is so important that the inspector general serves as a watchdog of the agencies and analyzes systematic deficiencies and helps uplift the most vulnerable New Yorkers rather than getting mired in questions related to potential lawsuits, et cetera. So perhaps there are folks who remember law school better than I who could weigh in on that, Dave. So where do you go from here in terms of prison oversight? Are there any ongoing projects that you can hint at or areas that you want to look at moving forward in light of what you've exposed recently? You'll remember that I have visited every prison in New York State, all 44 of them, including visiting classrooms in many of those prisons. I had the great privilege of joining a book club at Sing Sing Correctional Facility a couple of weeks ago and talking with the men incarcerated there about a book called Miller's Children about juvenile lifers. So certainly an area that we are interested in is what is happening to young people who are in the system, whether on the family court side and ending up in the OCFS arena or those who ultimately end up in the state prison system. So stay tuned for our work continuing to identify gaps and improve practices in all of the agencies under our jurisdiction. Earlier this year, we spoke with a organization tasked with monitoring the prison system about a report they released highlighting concerns they have about the grievance system in the prison process, arguing that it doesn't necessarily play out fairly and doesn't necessarily have honest brokers considering the different grievances that incarcerated New Yorkers might have. Is that an area that you are looking at or could look at in the future? An area that is interesting to us is the role of the inmate liaison committee. So every prison has a uh, incarcerated individual liaison committee, and those folks are elected from the general population to represent them in conversations with the administration of their facility. So I was lucky enough to sit in on a meeting between the administration of one facility and the incarcerated individual liaison committee. And here, some of the concerns that were being surfaced there, including relating to grievance processes and to hear the superintendent uh, really work with the people who were experiencing those challenges on the ground to think about how they might be improved. So there are ways for those complaints to get elevated internally, and they're certainly something that we're mindful of as well. And finally, we recently highlighted on the show legislation that would require prison officials to do more comprehensive planning for mitigating the threat of hot summer days to both incarcerated New Yorkers and prison staff. Is that another area that you have looked at or might look at in the future? 
I can tell you that I was up in the North Country visiting some big facilities and certainly made aware of some of the challenges related to both heating and cooling of those facilities. And I know that it is top of mind for many folks who are in prison oversight across New York State. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with New York State Inspector General Lucy Lang. Inspector General, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you, Dave. And I remind New Yorkers who suspect fraud or corruption in the state executive agencies to report it to 1-800-DO-RIGHT. And please to follow us on social media at New York State IG. Capital Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.